0: Hello, and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Historical Humans Podcast. My name's Justin Woods, and I'm joined today by my fellow co-hosts, Colm Coleman and Aaron Gilbin. And today, we are going back to the Indian subcontinent, talking about not the Mongol Empire. No, no, no. The Mughal Empire. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What's the so, difference?
1: So, the Mughal Empire <laughs> is arguably the like dream child of two of the most terrible warlords to ever set foot on earth uh it is a uh, it is uh yeah we're jump right into this here it is effectively a combination of uh the turkish warlord timur also known as tamerlane and Genghis Khan oh no (laughs) Uh, It is it is known as the is known as the Chagatai Turkish dynasty uh, are these Mughals and that is because uh, uh, Tamerlane was a Turkish warlord who effectively conquered almost everything out in the near and Middle East <laughs> and, uh, Chagatai was the son of Genghis Khan from whom this branch originates.
0: <laughs> That's some, uh, pretty tough lineage there, I must say. I must yeah. say especially Chagatai. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is the perfect blood child of two really. Yeah.
1: Vicious people. Yeah, it is. It is pretty. It is a pretty direct descendancy, too. Uh,. So, the Mughals controlled most of the Indian subcontinent during their day. Uh, They technically controlled the entirety of the northern half at the height of their power. uh, With several efforts made to go further south, but India's pretty massive. It's it's hard to get the whole thing in one go. It's also just straight up like a lot of people there. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Even back then.
1: Yeah, oh, even back then. Uh, It lasted from 1526 to 1857, so it has a pretty good uh, 330-year reign to it. The crazy thing to me is that's
0: not that long ago. That is pretty darn recent in the grand scheme of
1: things. 1857. Yeah, it almost makes it to the U.S. Civil War. Wow. And And as such, we will never know which side the Mughals would have supported... During that conflict, what? That's exactly <laughs> to, no. due to large amounts of British <laughs> influence in the region at that time, it is likely they would have supported the Confederacy due to the British need for cotton.
0: Oh no, imagine how much the war would change if a bunch of Mongols on their horses just showed up on the northeastern coast. <laughs> oh boy. We'd have a different war altogether, boys. But alternative- nobody ever expects the Mongols. To <laughs> <hit> the, Mongol <laughs> thing. The, the Spanish Inquisition is just slowly lurking in the background. Oh, no
1: one suspects the Mongol horse archers.
0: <laughs> you're just like you like they're just like showing up, and they're just like what? Who who are these people that are showing up on horses?
1: Please, Mister Custer, I don't want to go. <laughs> Oh, no. No. Anyway, alternative history uh, will be shelved for the time being. Uh, there are a couple key things with this. Uh, first of all, this uh, dynasty that it, you know the Mughals here—they're Muslim, and most of their territory is very much not that, which makes for things getting pretty interesting. Religion is something of a hot point. Uh, in in this region, uh, even to this day. And when you effectively rule like half of India and half of Pakistan, things get interesting.
0: I mean, I'm sure this won't lead to problems later on. Yeah,
1: there's never
0: any sort of issues that arise from this whatsoever. I'm sure the British won't, uh, you know, take advantage of that.
1: Yeah. The British they-
0: using inter- internal divides?
1: No. Oh, don't worry. The British don't have to do that for the Mughals. The Mughals do that to themselves. Fair. Uh, I understand. However, however, despite this, their dynasty is notable for two things. Number one, they are one of the only rulers in this region to actively try to uh, unify both the Hindu and the Muslim into a single unified polity. There is, for a large portion of this empire's history... Massive amounts of religious tolerance.
0: Wow, that is the
1: Mongols. Yeah. That is pretty unique. Yeah, that is yeah. It it. This is something that they inherited from their Mongol ancestry on the Chagatai side, because the Mongolians, for all their conquests, really did not care what god to pray to, you prayed to, so long as you did the thing they wanted. <laughs> and uh, the Mughals are no exception to that the other interesting thing is that they have seven successive generations of people who are actually capable taking the throne usually by the time you get to someone's grandchild you have an idiot
0: (laughs) found the the
1: idiot. idiot and these people go through the entire arc of an empire without ever having someone that you could really describe as incompetent. That is pretty impressive. Doesn't save them, but damn is
0: it impressive. That's rare. They've had a couple of rare qualities. It's a miracle they didn't yeah. last long, or it's a surprise that they didn't last longer, but yeah. the British it tend to, uh, you know, yeah That is the one thing the British are pretty good at is
1: ending yeah, empires. But- the issue for the Mughals is going to be expansion, because in order to keep the people they conquer happy, they don't tax them, which means that in order to keep the, the uh, government running, they have to conquer somebody else, yeah. take the money and tax them. It's the Roman problem. Yeah. It's the Roman. Once the <laughs> conquest starts and everyone starts getting taxed, things start falling apart again.
0: It also ends up becoming an
1: American problem. We don't talk about that. We don't have to deal with that today. So, the founder of this dynasty is a man with a name that, in the English language, is synonymous with fear. His name is inherently terrifying, so much so that it is almost cried out on the lips of infants uh, when they begin their first words. His name is Babur. Oh, yeah, Pepper. Babur. He rules for four years, 1526 to 1530. And it is this man that is directly descended from both Genghis Khan via Chagatai and Tamerlane via Tamerlane himself. <laughs> yeah, Tamerlane doesn't really have notable children.
0: No, not a single one. Nah. Uh, really.
1: Now Babur begins his rule of the empire in 1494 as Prince of Fergana, which is this little polity on the northern side of the Hindu Kush, which are these massive mountains uh, in northern India. (laughs) He is not content with this. He sees himself as a descendant of both Genghis Khan and Tamerlane, as a man who has rights to much of the territory around him. And as such, he proceeds to immediately begin conquering Kabul, Ghazni, and Samarkand, uh, before turning his intention to India. Now, Kabul and Samarkand were wealthy, powerful cities in their own right. Yeah, Kabul's been a powerhouse for
0: centuries at this point. Samarkand's also pretty famous. I mean, yeah, even so, among the steppes.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, Samarkand, th- these are like jewels of cities. And he wipes them out. They're his now.
0: Yeah, this guy just really just uh, just woke up one day and said, Wait a minute. I'm a Mongol. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't a Mongol. Uh, shit. Yeah, the, the Inner Mongol was awoken. He, like, Genghis Khan came to him in a dream and goes, "My Conquer. child." Like, G- like he's coming oh, up like, no. in the sky like Jesus in a dream. Goes, "My child, why are yeah. you not conquering?" Aaron, you yeah. need to paint the you're scene. Both right. Aaron, you need to paint the scene. You wake up in the step. You're alone. Off in the distance, you hear the the rumbling, the thunder of thousands of hooves. Over one of the steps, you see it. The black cloud of Mongols riding their steeds, stamping through the grounds. They surround you. They're pointing their weapons at you, and then you see a great man walk in front. It's none other than Genghis Khan himself. He steps down from his horse, looks you in the eyes, and says, My son... It's time. You must conquer. I just, I, 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 because this guy, like, I just imagine this, like this like Constantine moment, like, like a, like a Christian tradition as it where Jesus just comes out of a cloud, you know. But it's Genghis Khan, deposing. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So, fun fact: it is at this moment that he starts bumping into some of the other like semi-Mongolian polities and realizes. This isn't really the direction to go a-conquering, because everyone else is bigger than you. So he decides, hang on, I'm also the son of, uh, I'm also the descendant of, uh, of, of this Tamerlane guy. And Tamerlane has a right to a territory called the Punjab, which is in India. So in 1524, he conquers that. (laughs) turns south goes the other way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, if you're if you've got some big scary neighbors to your left, why not go right?
1: Yeah. yeah
0: oh,
1: no. Cuz basically to the north, the west and the east of him are all the are all his like Mongolian like second cousins. And so he decides to go south to uh to India. Where uh, where he then after taking the Punjab proceeds to invade delhi and this is where babur shows himself to be more than just a uh, a you know warlord cuz babur takes delhi by politics
0: what does he marry into the to the
1: royal family no he buys the delhi nobility out from under the sultan of delhi a man by the name of ibrahim lodi who due to the fact that he was absolutely paranoid that someone was going to steal his throne, had been an absolutely abusive and terrible ruler to his uh, uh, to the nobles of his court
0: I mean, so he just convinced him and paid him off I feel like he didn't
1: have to try very hard. Basically he showed up with an army and said, hey this guy, this Ibrahim you listen to he's pretty bad at ruling He's mean to you. He mistreats you. He tells you bad he tells you you are bad at your job when you do nothing. Anyone could be better than him. And I come with sacks of gold in my own military. Maybe I do better <laughs> than him. And they agree to this. I just I don't know
0: if that if that Attempt at an accent is offensive or not? <laughs> I don't even know what accent that was. I don't
1: I either. Can't... That's just my voice.
0: Oh, but yes, my it... voice
1: doing the thing again.
0: He he he's like that that boy <laughs> that waits for his female friend to break up with her boyfriend, and he's like, "Look, I could be your boyfriend. I'm much better." <laughs> oh God! Yeah. I have it's flowers like... and chocolate. Two years. In two years. Oh, in two years. Yeah, and heck. an army.
1: <laughs> yeah. in two years in two years, 1526 in two years, he has both Delhi and Agra under his control, and it is with the taking of these cities that the Mughal Empire is considered to have been founded and, uh, you know, naturally now that he's got this empire he proceeds to use it yeah, more conquest yeah. 1527, he goes to war with what is known as the Rajput Confederacy. He's taking down the Confederacy! Yeah. Now, the Rajput Confederacy was this alliance of, uh, Hindu Indian princes that all ruled semi-independently as their own, um, as their own Rajas, as their own kings. They were in control of, like, central, uh, India, and they really didn't like listening to anyone else. So when uh, this foreigner Muslim Mongolian fella shows up and starts conquering everybody, they respond violently. Ooh. I
0: mean, understandable. Some weird guy kind of just walks into your home and says hey,
1: I'm
0: yeah. to take this from you."
1: Well, they didn't so much walk into their home as beat the shit out of the guy they hated to the north of them. And then they all realized, hang on, this guy's more capable than the guy we already didn't like. And we see, dislike him for all the same reasons. See they always laugh. being an imperialistic Muslim.
0: See, they always laugh when it's happening to someone else they don't like until they realize they're next. It's the whole like Midwestern philosophy of standing out in your yard watching a tornado go by. It's all fine and good as you watch it go across the cornfield. But then the second it looks like it stops moving, it's coming towards you, and you're like, oh, wait, no, 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 and you're running back inside. Yeah, you're just yeah. like, man, this is nice. <laughs> it's like, hold on a sec. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, things get worse uh, for Babber here, as the puts prove to be uh, not so much good at getting allies, but simply they manage to prove that you can't have your intention in everywhere at once. And uh, by 1529, uh, he's fighting a three-front war. The Afghans have declared war on him and are attacking him in the west. Uh, The Bengals have declared war on him and are attacking him in the east. And the Rajputs are continuing to fight him in the south. He beats all three of them. He beats all three of them at once. Wow. Because in every battle, he uses the environment... Outmaneuvers them and crushes their army. So what you're saying is he saw
0: he saw that three different groups have declared war and said, "Oh, so now it's a fair fight." <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> he, oh. bring a few more guys; it'll be a fair fight. He 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 spends most of his time on campaign, and he spends most of his time fighting battles against numerically superior forces, and he keeps winning.
0: Those horse archers, man! No matter what, what. What scenario you put them in they just really kick ass. He's just a mongol. You just got to accept the fact that he's a mongol. He's got the mongol blood yeah. inside of him. Oh, yeah. He got that dog in him. Yeah. No wonder the, no yeah. wonder China and Russia keeps mongolia from having uh, access to the ocean.
1: <laughs> yeah. If, if they got, got their horses on
0: if they, can't, if they got those horses on ships. Oh no. You know, <laughs> The third the Game attack of on Japan.
1: From season seven starts playing it's all the Dothraki cross the sea. <laughs>
0: it would be the third attack
1: on Japan, the third uh kamikaze. We don't we don't need that. <laughs> we don't need that. But uh 1530 he begins uh to die to be diagnosed with a chronic case of dead, and as mm. such he's not able to consolidate any of his conquests or formally finish any of these wars. I
0: hear that is fatal most times. Yeah. He could have just walked it off. I don't know what he's talking about. You know, back in my day, we used to just walk it off. We didn't die. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, that's why we got a gerontocracy now in Congress. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. I thought that now, was just the old folks' home. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, when Babur dies, his son, Humayun, uh, succeeds him. Now, Humayun is going to last from 1530 to 1555. And Humayun comes into a real problem the second he sits on the throne. Namely, that the Empire is literally just a line on the map that his father made up and nobody respects. I mean, the, if you
0: really want to think uh, about it, that's all the yeah, Empires really yeah, are borders. Yeah. I mean, here's most the, borders
1: are gray zones. How, however, here's the thing. Here, here's why this is different. It is claimed that the Mughal Empire controls the Afghans and the Rajputs. It does not. In actuality, he's barely in control of Agra and Delhi. And he is supposed to have claimed these two other empires that border him. So, immediately,
0: war. Seems like quite the mess for the next asshole.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He is challenged, ambitious. He is challenged by a man known as Shah Bahadur of Gujarat. And in 1535, he takes Gujarat. But the uh, people of Gujarat continue to fight against him until he finally kills Bahadur in 1537. A lot of loyalty to the man.
0: Uh, I mean,
1: fair. Do you blame him? He is then, he is then, uh, driven out of India by basically his father's ghost. Because, remember how Babur was fighting the Afghans and the Bengals and the Rajputs all at the same time? Yeah. Well, it turns out that that means you can make a lot of friends across the continent. And an Afghan warlord known as Shah of Sir. Has taken control of Bihar and Bengal, and proceeds to defeat Humayun at the battles of Chausa in 1539 and Kanaj in 1540, driving him all the way to Iran. Damn, that's Ooh, that's he, an ass kicking. He forced it. He forced the Mongol to Iran away. Oh no! How'd you escape
0: Iraq, Iran? <laughs> <laughs> Since yeah. The so 2003.
1: At, at which point he receives military aid from Iran on account of the fact that he's descended from both uh, Tamerlane and Genghis Khan which means that the rulers there, no matter how you slice it, is like, oh, you're family
0: <laughs> <laughs> so and he family basically ran helped. home asked yeah. for his cousin's he went, help and then he, went back yeah.
1: he went to was effectively his like third cousin at this point and said Hey, you remember how we keep trying to kill India? Yeah, give me soldiers for that. <laughs> and he's, just like, he, he's just
0: like, don't worry, mm-hmm. I got you. Because remember, Ohana means family. <laughs> family <laughs> means I give you soldiers to conquer India. Yeah. I, I imagine the, the conversation went, he showed up at the doorstep and was like, I need help. Conquest, conquest. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, and he does, he conquers. Kandahar in 1545 and between 1545 and 1550, he sacks Kabul three times because the city keeps rebelling.
0: So does this also mean that his cousin had better soldiers if after the support they started winning?
1: I mean, it's Uh, Persia. What it it speaks to is the overstretched uh, nature of the Mughal military at this point having been fighting on three fronts for several years, uh, only to be overwhelmed by a concentrated force from one side. The only reason Babur was winning his wars was because he was consistently outmaneuvering lesser generals. Mm. shah of Shur is a, is a military genius on the same level as Babur. And as such, he is able to counter the tactics that Humayun uh, inherits from his father. Humayun is very good at his job, but he's not as good as Babur or as good as Sher Shah.
0: But now he's back on the conquest. Yeah.
1: But now he has a real army to face Sher Shah with. Uh, fortunately for him, Sher Shah dies. Oh, and that seems Shersha- to happen to his enemies. Yeah and Sher Shah's sons are a little bit consumed with infighting and the fact that they're not as good as their father and so he starts picking them off one by one <laughs> um total military defeat yeah yeah he by 15 uh, in 1555 he sweeps over uh the children of Sher Shah like a wildfire in one year he takes Lahore, Punjab, Delhi and Agra <laughs> wow just wipes them back out of his he, Bengal still exists independently, but his heartland, he just sweeps over and wipes them out.
0: So he must have lived a long, fruitful life after conquering all these lands back.
1: You know, retaking his father's empire. Yeah. He kills himself in suicide by bookshelf. It happens to the best of us. He's in his library, uh, his private library, and he falls down the stairs. That seems a little... Anti climactic? Yep. Yeah. He does it the same year he retakes the city and gets to visit his library again for the first <laughs> like, time in uh what would be fifteen years. He's was it just like so excited?
0: A re- he's just like, Oh yeah, I can't wait to take this back to my room reef whoop. Yeah. Or was it like a really clever assassination where they just put a tripwire at the very tippy top of the
1: stairs? Uh, no, uh, what it is is the man is in his 50s and, um, there is absolutely no concept of OSHA safety regulations in this building.
0: Oh, fair. His, like, knee just gave out at, like, the wrong time. Like, I've had that happen where you're just walking normally and, like, your knee just goes
1: (laughs) Yeah. He's been king for 25 years. He was, he was an he was an adult by the time he took the throne so he's, he's 50. At 25
0: least. years, that's
1: yeah, it's a pretty good range to be fair. Yeah, and his uh, tomb in Delhi is the first example of the Mughal monumental architecture. It's a World Heritage site because of this, because his tomb is the first thing that the Mughals like actually build in what can be described as their own style. So be sure to
0: check out our uh, historical
1: human's okay. heritage series to see it. Here. You're going to be saying that a lot. This is not the first UNESCO site we're going to come across for these guys. They are. We're like going to
0: get to them things. all eventually. Perfect.
1: We got it. the next two
0: weeks booked.
1: Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. He is succeeded by uh, his son, Akbar the Great, who rules from 1556 to 1605, so almost 50 years.
0: It makes him great.
1: Uh, the fact that he's outlived everyone else so far. Uh, because it's a trap. That's why.
0: Oh yeah. no, he's Admiral Akbar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, now Akbar, like his father before him, takes the throne, and is immediately embroiled in civil war.
0: Naturally. This yeah, time. In, that happens.
1: This time, it's not because the empire doesn't actually control all the territories it claims to control, but. Rather, because of religious differences. Oh, you see, the this the Chagatai Turks are Muslim, and they are ruling from Agra, with the uh, adjoining city of Delhi as their like heartland. These are Hindu territories, and when Humayun dies, um, Delhi. Uh, instead of acknowledging Akbar as the rightful successor, it turns to a Hindu minister by the name of Hemu. Um, Hemu uh, declares himself the ruler of Delhi uh, as a Hindu, saying that Delhi is a Hindu city. I am a Hindu ruler. We will not acknowledge a Muslim king. Even One though there's been a Oh. One year of civil war later, uh, Hemu is defeated with the with, with the by Akbar with the assistance of a regent named Bayram Khan, uh, basically Akbar's uh, and you know uh, cousins via his father's father's mother.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say any relation to Genghis.
1: <laughs> yeah. you know, this is a relation via his father's father's mother just going down a different branch of the family tree. God, that, that's that got to
0: be one of the positive sides of being a descendant of Genghis Khan. Like, you you just have cousins everywhere you go.
1: Yeah. Ba- uh,
0: it can also be an unfortunate thing if you're trying to date.
1: Ba- basically, his, his family at this point is in control of, let's see, everything uh, east of Egypt everything east of the Volga River, <laughs> and uh, yeah, basically all of that. So were they good at their jobs? Well, Akbar was, because he is equal parts conqueror and consolidator. Wow. You don't hear about My- many great consolidators. Yeah. By the end of his rule, the Mughal Empire controls everything from Afghanistan to to the Bay of Bengal, i.e. where uh, Bengal touches the ocean. He rules from the Hindu Kush to Gujarat and northern Deccan, which is peninsular India. This is where India tapers off in narrows. So oh, he, rules, yeah. he rules half of India. He rules the entire northern and central half.
0: What about the southern half?
1: That's not his.
0: It's a foreign wasteland of Tamil kings.
1: Yeah. Listen... Getting into southern India from the north is never... It's never a good idea. It does not work. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't go that far. He takes he takes half of Deccan. And that's as far as he goes. He develops the administrative system that is going to define the Mughal Empire both culturally and politically for the next, like, th- uh, 200 years at this point. Um... He reforms the military. He reforms basically everything in order to make it all work as a single unit. Interesting. To this end, he does something no one has done before. As a Muslim ruler, he encourages the Rajputs, these rival political princes, these Hindu princes, to join him at court as his advisors and administrators, governors, and generals. He gives them power. So long as they acknowledge him as emperor, they can be princes and kings. They can gain great military accolades by serving as his generals and conquering new territories in his name. (laughs) They can get- basically, they get everything they had before except he pays for it and gets to put his name on it next to theirs.
0: Talk about a tax write Like,
1: that is the ultimate delegation
0: of duties. Like, that is the ultimate CEO, if I've ever seen it. Like, all right, board, you guys do the work, and, uh, yeah, yep. business is good.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, yeah, he, is, it, he remains a Muslim-Turkish-Mongol dynasty, but he opens the doors to basically all of his subjects. Uh, everyone's allowed to keep their original territories, everyone's allowed ranks, they're allowed conquest. The only thing he asks in return is that you acknowledge he's in charge, you provide him with a portion of your armies to serve as the Imperial army, you provide him with a portion of your taxes to serve as the Imperial taxes, and one of you marries one of his many daughters. That way... Your descendants and his descendants are the same descendants, and you're not going to rebel against me because we're all technically the same family.
0: And Ohana means family. <laughs> family means you don't fuck each other up. Yeah. Nobody gets left behind or forgotten.
1: Anyway. <laughs> yes. Uh, apparently we're going to Hawaii for uh this episode on India but what can <laughs> I do? A lovely
0: lone stitch man. Uh,
1: he then uh does three things which are a major break uh from his time uh from uh Mongolian and uh Turkish tradition here. Number 1, he removes the taxation on pilgrims. It is no longer required that you pay the government to go worship at holy sites. Ooh, that's a thing. That's good like for that religious tolerance. Yeah, that 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 was that is a thing. Um, a lot of times, cities would uh, fight over who got a uh, a uh, hero's remains, so that they could tax people to come and visit the great warrior savior of whatever campaign he was on.
0: So the early system of tourism.
1: Yeah. Um, There's a whole thing that happens with this, uh, Aaron, for you, uh, with the Byzantines in Sicily, uh, with Belisarius. Belisarius fakes his own death, and the city uh, he's besieging has this whole debate over whether or not to let his people in to bury him there, because the Byzantines will come and pay homage to their great warlord.
0: Oh yeah, no, I remember that specifically, but I didn't know they would, like,
1: tax that. They tax that. They ta- it's a tourist site. It's, li- it's literally the admission fee to go visit the grave.
0: <laughs> There's only two things in life that are guaranteed. Death and taxes.
1: Yeah. Uh, fun and fact, the in the Sicilian incident, Belisarius is not dead, and he conquers yeah. the city.
0: Yeah, no, I remember that one. Yeah. That was my favorite. That, like, man faked yeah. his own death and got away with it and won. Yeah.
1: yeah, That that's why he gets away with this, because people try to tax your grave. <laughs> he applied to, he, he, he
0: He appealed to their sense of getting rich.
1: They appeal to money. Money! <laughs> the second thing is he abolishes what is known as the Jizya, which is a uh, traditional tax paid by non-Muslims living in Muslim uh, territory. Uh, what it was is you either pay the government money every year, or you serve as a soldier for the government for a set period of time. As a way of ensuring that this heathen have loyalty. Didn't the
0: no, ottomans
1: do a similar thing yeah the ottomans use the jizya uh the Fatimids use the jizya uh the emma uh the emirate of sicily use the jizya
0: okay.
1: uh, any any muslim territory uses the jizya and he says you know this is kind of discriminating against like 80 of my populace i'd rather not be that unpopular
0: and also inadvertently start training uh, 80% of the populace <laughs> to you in warfare.
1: Yep. It's a trade-off, you know? Yep. Uh The other thing he do- gets rid of is the forceful conversion of soldiers and prisoners of war to Islam. Under his predecessors, if you were captured by the uh, Mughal forces, you would be brought before an officer and either forced to convert to Islam or be executed. Yeah. This was seen as wasteful and alienating, as basically you have, he now has Hindu generals telling POWs who are Hindu to convert from Hinduism to Islam or die. No one is going to follow this order, so he just gets rid of it. It's it's a matter of convenience.
0: Her. yeah at least it's better than executing anyone who didn't believe like that is kind of a good way to alienate your soldiers yeah
1: yeah and because he's expanding uh so rapidly anyone who gets on board with him early gets massively rich with new territories new uh um, taxes new just looting because he is expanding the empire to you know two three times its size. So if you were with him from the beginning, you get a little slice of everybody's <laughs> <money>. <laughs>
0: Hmm.
1: Everyone gets rich. It's the earliest yeah.
0: pyramid scheme outside of Egypt.
1: Yep. Yep. In uh, and uh, with that, we get to see some of his uh, conquests and uh, laws here, because this guy, this guy really is like the focal point of the empire. He is their high point.
0: That's uh, something.
1: Yep. In 1568. He conquers part of Miwa uh, by taking the historic fortress of Chitor and massacring everyone inside. This is his Mongolian side coming out, and this is him asserting himself as effectively a, a warlord. Chitor was famous for holding out against mighty empires and great armies, and by destroying it, He sent the message that the price of resistance was absolute death and that no fortress could hold him. That said, he does not successfully take all of Mi'war. Mi'war is a freaking nightmare and it will continue to haunt the Mughal Empire for generations.
0: I mean, that's... I want to learn more about them now. Like <laughs> they it,
1: held the boggles yeah. at bay. Yeah, me, me, war is pretty interesting. Uh, I for, I forget what it is. But like it, they, the name of the territory is basically uh, translates to some version of the land that re- the land that rejects everyone because no one can conquer it.
0: Wow, that's a badass title.
1: Yeah, it, that's not the actual translation, but something along those lines alluding to the fact that, like, you know, you know, many have tried and all have died <laughs> trying to take this, you know, it's, it's like how uh, the Middle East became known as the Graveyard of Empires when the British started losing control there. Oh, yeah. it's It's got that sort of reputation among the states of India. Um. His other big thing that he does is, um, he issues what's known as the Mazar of 1579. This is a public edict where he declares himself the final arbiter of all things Muslim in terms of religion. Now, traditionally, a council of theologians, scholars, and, uh, judges, uh, would handle would hold this position would handle these matters however akbar knows that by the strict doctrines held in places like mecca he is being absolutely undeniably heretical because he is acknowledging non-muslims as equals he is acknowledging heathens as human (laughs) and in Mecca at this time, there's only Muslim and murdered. The bar is
0: so low.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, he does this so that his policies of religious tolerance could be seen as not heretical, but as within the confines of Islam and as mandated by Islam. He takes Love Thy Neighbor and just plasters it over everything and says, back off.
0: (laughs) I can't can't blame him.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He then opens religious grants to people of all religions. What this means is that you are no longer required to be a Muslim to have government funding to do science. That's great. Yeah, if you want to advance mathematics, astronomy, uh, you know, engineering, you no longer have to prove that you're Muslim and that you are doing this in the name and glory of Allah. Mm. You just have to prove you know what you're doing. Ah, finally, a man of science! Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Now, you can see why, like, the religious tolerance bar uh, for the Mughal Empire is such a big keynote. The, The... Akbar just basically fabricates it all and says, this is how we're doing things.
0: (laughs) He's just just like, listen, man, look, I don't care what you worship, but let's do some science.
1: Imagine if the
0: U.S. took this approach now. Imagine.
1: Uh, I don't know. We
0: were supposed to. (laughs) Aaron, just imagine. Imagine all All the people people studying studying science. (laughs)
1: You <laughs> the next thing what he does to further this is he founds what is known as the Din-i-Ilahi, which is a uh, sort of Freemason order designed to unify all the religions in the Mughal Empire and make them into a single cohesive force uh, for civil service. Basically, it's a... Uh, uh it's it's effectively a uh, an elite club that people can get into for uh for civil service and it's designed so that you know it doesn't matter what religion you follow if you are distinguished member of you know in serving the government you get you get to be a part of this rich people club
0: yeah a, a rich people club that lets others in impossible yeah. Yeah, it's
1: the it's the civil service club. You know, if you were an outs- if you were a distinguished officer, you might find yourself invited to join the Din E Ilahi.
0: It comes with a bunch of great perks, I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, namely, there is a lot of prestige uh, around it since it is considered a scholastic and theological club, meaning that you suddenly have authority on things like science and religion, and you get to talk to people who actually make government decisions one-on-one, in private.
0: <laughs> I'm an expert! Hi! Yeah. 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 Uh, congr- Politicians listening to experts in their respective <laughs> fields and decisions about it? Imagine. God, I wish I could! Oh. Congratulations.
1: Congratulations. You get to have dinner about policy with a uh, congressman. Uh, downside, she's from Colorado. Uh, plus, uh, side, we're going to a movie theater. <laughs> uh, all
0: right, before, before,
1: our own, before our own country hates us and the uh, tomahawk missiles come raining down
0: why do I hear uh, a
1: drone uh, <laughs> uh, the next thing he does is he turns to the military uh, at this point uh, he has a feudal military made up from dozens of ethnicities and you know even dozens more of polities that uh, have served under him. He says, no more of this. Uh, you can all have your own individual militaries, but it's going to adhere to a unified structure. So that way, all the ranks are standardized. There is no there is no, what the hell is a Commodore going on uh, in this, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, Where, it not It's it a very Lieutenant updated a military
1: Lieutenant? rank. But yeah, there, there, there is no there, there is no confusion as to who answers to who. Everything is strictly laid out with, of course, uh, him at the top. <laughs> naturally, naturally. He also creates an entire branch of the military dedicated to running around, conducting financial audits of other military officers. Beautiful. Just
0: imagine. Excuse me, sir. You're awesome. spending on supplies for this month. How did you spend... Thirty thousand gold coins on Yeah. Furnishings for the horses. You have two donkeys and what looks like a drunkard in that pen. Yeah,
1: yeah it's yeah, it's the <laughs> sort of thing that he makes it impossible to defraud his government or take bribes because it's not just the salary it's not just the spending in the garrison that gets audited. It's his per it's the personal taxes of the man uh in charge that get audited. Meaning that if it says you make three thousand coin a year, and I find that you spent three thousand and one coin, you are dead. (laughs)
0: Listen, I don't understand how you misplaced two trillion dollars
1: in in government
0: spending to in to fight in this war. Oh no! (laughs) Like where'd it go?
1: Yep. This but, is a very real fear of Akbars, and he makes sure it does not happen. God, what? just
0: imagine. A, a effective bureaucratic <laughs> government that watches spending and oversight? Imagine. Yeah. Man, he really is great. He got this. I name, would vote man. for him now. Shit. Yeah. Do we <laughs> vote for him? I mean, granted, he's a little bit older than all the other candidates, but I think he's uh, doing a he's good job. He's not American, so that's, a, that's a enough for me. We'll make yep. him an honorary American. Yep.
1: Yeah. Now, after 30 years of consolidation and reorganization, Akbar is finally ready. I'm in 1586, ready. he embarks on a series of conquests for the next 20 years.
0: We're going on a trip, <laughs> trip to conquer all this shit. <laughs> yeah. He takes Kashmir in 1586,
1: Sindh in 1591, Kandahar and Afghanistan in 1595,
0: Damn, he went further than Kabul. Yep. So he really didn't give a shit about his cousins, or did his cousins lose power at this point?
1: Uh, The Afghans have been at war with with his family since the time of Babur in 1529. So he's just finishing the job. Damn. Uh, Also, uh, he has not forgotten that it was an Afghan general that drove his father from the Mughal heartland. So, Ooh, personal yeah, vendettas cool. <laughs> vendetties yeah, uh, by 1601 he has taken Kandesh, Berar and parts of what is known as Ahmed Nagar uh, which is effectively uh, it's effectively the entirety of of the Mughal empire if you were to look at it on a map he has it all he's got he's got most of everything he's ever going to have
0: so he's done a pretty darn job, darn good job at what he's what he's meant to do.
1: Yeah. However, okay. however, uh, his reign is not without its blemish. Did as- he fall down a staircase too? Uh, no. He lived too long. He's been on the throne. He's been on the. Th- this guy sits on the throne for fifty years. Oh, uh, it's like a Ramsay situation. His son, Salim. Uh, rebels against him in 1599 because the old man is taking too long to die.
0: Oh no, it is a Ramsey situation.
1: Yeah. Uh, Salim is very eager for power. He wants to place his pow- his father. Uh, fun fact, he starts this rebellion despite being confirmed as Akbar's heir.
0: So he's he, already
1: next in line. He's Ooh. already next in line. His issue is is that waiting six more years for his father to die of dysentery is too much.
0: Dysentery? Dysentery. He must have been playing Oregon Trail.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, despite the rebellion, which is not successful, Salim still takes the
0: throne. Ray, if you're the most fit successor. Well... stage a coup, and he still gets away with it.
1: Yep. The rich get richer. Yep. Uh, He rules from 1605 to 1627 as Jahangir. However, there is a period of time between 1613 and 1625 when he's technically not the ruler. And rule instead passes to a woman named Nur Jahan. And this is where we get to talk about all those family trees becoming more of a family uh, stock.
0: Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. It's really going the way of Ramsey's. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. So, step number one <laughs> he ends the war with Mawar, Um which was still independent despite Akbar waging war on it for basically the entirety of his reign. (laughs) Damn, they
0: held out for a long time, then.
1: Yep. Uh, Basically, uh, Jahangir gets acknowledged as suzerain of Mawar in exchange for Mawar keeping almost all of its uh, freedoms and independence uh, and nominally paying tribute to him as opposed to a number of the other polities which were fully under his control and really were, you know, rulers of their territory in name only. So they get a lot of extra freedoms in exchange for stopping the fighting. <laughs> Damn. He then in the year 1611 marries Nur Jahan, uh his queen who will take over uh for him. And The very next year, 1612, he has his third son, Prince Karam, marry Nur-Jahan's niece. Because Nur-Jahan had a brother. Nur-Jahan's brother had a son. Nur-Jahan's brother is a man with the title of Khan. I guess they'd be cross-cousins, so I guess... I mean... It's pretty pretty far out at this point, but uh, the sons of Genghis... That's like
0: second or third co- I think it's like third or fourth cousin at that point which Well no if well, it's her no no, brother, no, no, no it's her brother's kid yeah. her brother's son not her, her brother's her brother?
1: son's kid no so the so her brother's daughter marries her husband's son okay
0: So they're cross cousins
1: uh, Nur Nir, Jahan is not I do not believe Nur Jahan is uh is Karam's mother
0: Oh. oh so that's Nirjahan not bad not, that's not, yeah, it's not right that now.
1: bad. It's not that bad. No. What it what it does is it means that these families are linked up in a very interesting way. Because Nurjahan is simultaneously Karam's stepmother and uh and yeah. Karam's aunt in law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this gets things real messy real quick, uh, as in 1613, uh, Jahangir leaves Agra, the capital of the Mughal Empire, to fight campaigns in the south in the effort to conquer the southern portion of India. During this time, uh, Nurjahan's family takes over the royal court. Uh, Durangir returns from his campaigns without much success, and he's basically bedridden for the rest of his life. He's very... Uh. He he contracts something along campaign, and it nearly kills him. Because of this, from 1613 to 1625, Nur Jahan starts uh, ruling instead of him. She usurps his his power, and the position of his son, Karan
0: girl bossed it. Ah, yeah.
1: Gatekeep, gaslight, girl boss. Yeah. yeah. She took on the responsibilities of emperor and she issued what are known as farmans, which are these sovereign mandates sort of like a uh, executive order from a president in her own name. Ooh. Effectively declaring Jahangir is not, you know, emperor of the Mughals. Nur Jahan is emperor of the Mughals.
0: Damn, she claimed that power. She put her name out there. Ooh. Yeah, that is some girl boss shit. Hundred percent. She she's just like, why not? Like this dude it, ain't in charge
1: anymore. It's my house. And and for twelve years, because Jahangir is either away or infirm during this period, it works. Until she attempts to use her new position as you know de facto emperor. To change the line of succession so that Prince Karam is no longer the heir of Jahangir. Prince Karam will no longer inherit when Jahangir dies. Oh, girl
0: boss is a wants, close to
1: the sun. Yeah, yeah, Icarus. Yeah, she wants her child by Jahangir to inherit, not Ooh. his half-brother Karam. That's I mean, that's na- yeah, but yeah. he is older that's,
0: in terms of succession it, lines.
1: Yep. Yeah. here's the problem. Prince Karam is married to her brother's daughter. Her brother is a man named Asaf Khan. Asaf Khan, being her brother, finds out about this and is enraged that she would attempt to replace his daughter's line in the the right of succession. As such, Asaf Khan and Prince Karam team up Oh no! To uh, <laughs> to imprison her until she dies. <sighs> oh jeez.
0: Yeah, girl was a little too close to the sun.
1: Yeah, oh, that's jeez. unfortunate. I mean,
0: understandable. understandable I get it, but
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe that she thought uh, Asaf Khan would be on her side, being her brother. Uh, however, she forgot that Asaf Khan's grandson will inherit after Prince Kurum, and he valued that. More than his sister's son inheriting right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. she's in, she's imprisoned in 1625. She's held in captivity until death. And in 1627, Jahangir finally succumbs to his illness. So she was essentially just kind of ruling in his stead. So like,
0: yeah. how it, long do you say? How long do you think she was ruling? No.
1: She ruled in his stead for approximately 12 years uh, as she begins to, you know, take over the court in 1613 when he goes on campaign. And when he comes back, he is bedridden and dying for the better part of a decade.
0: I mean, like, if she really wanted her son to take over, couldn't she just have poisoned him? It would have There's still a- gone to the prince, unless she poisoned the prince. No, no, yeah, that's she, what I meant. Like, yeah, yeah she,
1: prince. in order in order for her son to succeed, she would have had to have killed uh, Prince Karam, uh Jahangir, and any children that Prince Karam might have had by uh, via um, oh. it, by, via her niece uh, at that time. Yeah. Because uh, keep in mind, it's by the time she's found out for doing this replacement pl- plot. It's been 13 years since Karam has married her niece. They have children. Yeah. yeah, that's
0: true. That's a lot of killing and a lot of effort. I mean, yeah. uh, props to her for conspiring, but you conspire too close to the sun. She, yeah, she, she, uh, she was. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Though in fairness, she would have only had about two more years of authority before Jahangir finally died. I think, you know, she saw the writing on the wall that the old guy wasn't going to make it much yeah. longer. Yeah. And uh, took her chance. Should
0: have waited till her son got older, and then staged a, a coup. Then, yeah,
1: yeah, she should have waited till the moment and tried. But you know, you never know. She was she thought she had the power. She thought she had the. Uh, she the political was playing
0: mo- checkers while he was playing chess.
1: Well, I think it's again she trusted her brother, forgetting that it was her brother's grandson who was second in line that she was about to kick out. <laughs> but uh, with that. We- with that, we come to the reign of Prince Kurum, or as he is known he takes the throne, Shah Jahan. Uh, kind of a snub at Nur Jahan right there. Uh, he rules from 1628 to 1658. And he does what his father couldn't, and what his grandfather couldn't. He pushes south. He takes Amahad, uh, Am- um, Amhad-Nagar in 1636. He turns Golconda and Bijapur into tributary states, and he uh, temporarily seizes control of a number of territories to the northwest of his empire, i.e. he invades Persia.
0: Ooh, Bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it pays off.
1: Yeah. He takes Kandahar in 1638. He takes Badekstan and Balak in 1646 and in 1647, he loses Balak uh, willingly. He withdraws from it uh, due to it being effectively an overreach from what he can hold. And he's never able to take the territory again. In 1649, Kandahar uh, successfully uh, frees itself from his rule and he manages to almost bankrupt the empire fighting to control Persia.
0: Yeah, Yeah, a little bit of overextension there. It happens to all great empires, to be fair.
1: He's he's effectively moving out into a flat, open area with no discernible, like, border, and trying to take pieces of it without realizing that you can't actually hold part of it unless you hold all of it.
0: Yeah, what's the thing about that kind of region? There's no... Borders are fluctuating. Really, it's the cities that are the most important part.
1: Yeah, and you, you can't hold one city, you gotta hold all of them.
0: <laughs> gotta catch them all.
1: Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, he transfers his capital from the traditional seat of power in Agra to Delhi in 1648. And in so doing, he creates a new city called Shah Jahanabad there. Shah Jahanabad? Um, Yeah, effectively, the city of Shah Jahan. Uh, It's his equivalent of of making Alexandria. (laughs) We shall name a
0: great city after myself. Alexander, this is the 15th city you've named Alexandria. And I shall name 15 more (laughs) Alexandrias!
1: And uh, even though his military conquests are a mixed bag... It's in his ability to uh, build up his empire that he excels. Shah Jahan loves architecture, and he is responsible for most of the monumental architecture of the Mughal style that we have. He constructs two great mosques in Agra that are known as the Pearl Mosque and the Great Mosque. He then constructs the Taj Mahal in Agra uh, in memory of his wife, uh the same woman uh who by marrying uh he was able to find out about that coup by Nur jahan against him
0: wait 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 hold on hold on real quick so this is the guy who built the taj mahal right yes for his wife
1: yeah for his dead wife
0: who is related to a khan
1: who is the daughter of asaf khan it's Genghis open...
0: Khan all around. It's
1: all Khan. It always it's has g- been. It's Genghis
0: Khan. All the... Genghis Khan's descendants yeah. built the Taj Mahal. Yeah, like... Aaron, if you were there it's... for the first episode of the season, it, it, you would it, it, know.
1: It, it, I'm the, sorry, the, I had the, a bit of an the, incident the, being yeah. in Indiana. the The dated the dated meme, the dated meme is like, it's all Mongols. Always it, has been. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's the Ohio, it's the yep. whole Ohio, but it's just Mongols. It's Except you Mongols. zoom out one more time, and it's always will be, and it's the next great con. Yeah. Ah, yes. Which uh, it... <laughs> if you're from yep. Illinois, you know that one. You know that, the yep. great Khan.
1: Yeah. Uh, the next thing he builds, because he goes to Delhi after building these, is he builds the Red Fort in Delhi, which is his palace complex. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah it's it's pretty massive uh he then builds the great mosque of delhi which is considered uh by many to be the finest mosque in all of india uh, and fun fact world heritage site world heritage site world heritage site world heritage, Night, world heritage site <laughs> yeah
0: that this guy this guy yeah. was a builder yeah Funny how he nearly bankrupts an entire empire, and then just like, "Don't worry, I got this." And then just starts yeah. building shit. Builds,
1: builds five instances of monumental a- architecture, two of which are considered the greatest <laughs> examples of, you know, of you know, of religious architecture in the entire subcontinent of India.
0: I think naturally we're on to, the
1: top ten list.
0: I think naturally we're gonna have to do one on the Taj Mahal. Eventually, yeah. I figured. Yeah, well, and probably the Red Forts.
1: They're all up there. (laughs) Oh, God, they're all up there. Uh, In 1657, he falls ill. And all four of his sons immediately seek the throne. 1658, he finally dies. And uh, his son, Aurangzeb, who rules from 58 to 1707, uh, takes over, having won a civil war against his brothers.
0: Yeah, Civil uh, Wars and cons all the way down.
1: Yeah, four-way Civil War. One brother dies in the war. The other two are executed uh, following surrenders. Isn't that
0: technically kind of the same, though? Like, if you're executed after surrender, it's still part of the war. But three of them going down that way, like, he was not taking any chances.
1: Yep. Yeah. Uh Zeb. Uh, expands the empire for one final time. Uh, However, it's not by conquest. Instead, what he does is he takes the tributary states of Bijapur and Golconda and annexes them. He makes them formally a part of his empire. They are no longer puppets paying tribute.
0: Representation? No way.
1: Yeah. He, uh... Uh, he, however has major political and religious intolerance. Uh, he yeah. is severely traumatized by the, like, civil war and by, uh, a number of betrayals that happened to him early in his reign, and it results in him becoming one paranoid uh, ruler.
0: Oh, uh, so he goes, he essentially goes the way as the first uh, guy that, uh, yeah, yeah the he, very he, first one.
1: Yeah, well, not he goes like
0: the he, first one, but like, uh, yeah, whoever whoever fights. Yeah, he goes oh, the way of
1: Ibrahim, Ibrahim Lodi, uh who was the sultan of Delhi, which is fun fact, uh now now also one of Aurangzeb's titles being the fact that the Moguls now rule from Delhi. It's <laughs> all <laughs> oh, oh, the
0: irony. It's all yeah. Mongol always has been. Yeah.
1: Now the issues begin in 1666. Just 8 years into his reign. With the conquest of the Maratha. Now, he conquers Maratha, brings their elite into his service, follows the same pattern that worked for Akbar. Except Shivaji, who is the ruler of the Maratha, is cunning, duplicitous, and absolutely unwilling to back down. Uh, Shivaji, despite being defeated, captured, and brought to court and, you know, effectively restored as, you know, a servant under, uh, under Aurangzeb, uh, flees the court and starts a rebellion. Uh, after another eight, e- uh, no, uh, yeah, another eight years of Aurangzeb being unable to catch him in 1674 he crowns himself uh, king in a Hindu religious coronation, basically saying, for eight years, these Muslims have hunted me, and for eight years, they have failed. I am ordained by the Hindu gods to be your savior. Oh boy. Wow. And the Hindu, who have been so-so on this Mughal thing, since the beginning, flock to him. Uh-oh. And he has an army of religious zealots.
0: Oh, boy. Once they get representation, this is what happens. Oh, no! <laughs> yes. yeah.
1: and here's the thing. Between, oh. between the masses rallying behind him and the fact that for eight years you couldn't catch this man, a lot of the Punjabs... Uh, And the Deccans uh, start to side with him. Deccan has long since been near the southern extent of the Mughal Empire. They have long since been a border territory. Uh, And the northern Deccans uh, really don't like being split off from from the southern half. (laughs) So they join the rebellion.
0: The The Punjabs
1: love their independence and see a chance to reassert themselves. So they join the rebellion.
0: You see how this keeps going. Dominos. Once yeah. one falls,
1: they all come crashing down. Yeah. Multiple rebellions break out across the empire. And Aurangzeb, in an effort to maintain control, clenches his fist. He goes for a hard line against the revolutionaries. He thinks his problem is that he needs to show that he is a strong and fearsome ruler. That's not the case. What he needed to show was that he was a compassionate ruler who was the one who had the people's interests in at part, like Shivaji is doing.
0: Oh, no, no, no. When you show any sort of discontent, you got to crush it with a, with a hard line.
1: You got to so come in, down with the hammer fist. In response to these rebellions, he demolishes Hindu and Sikh schools and temples, bars Hindu from public office. Oh, no and reinstitutes the Jizya, the tax on all the non-Muslims. Effectively alienating everyone under him, and driving a lot of talent uh, to rebel. Including the Sikhs, who by the way were not a part of this until he started attacking them. I he could have just left it all alone. He, mm-hmm. he just saw non-Muslim minority must be an enemy. Because Hard line. He, he is paranoid. Uh, between what is happening now and the fact that he had to kill his entire family to get the throne, you know, he can't trust anybody. That's Aurangzeb's problem. He can't trust anybody and he has no compassion as a result. Everyone starts rebelling against him, so in response he begins to commission more and more military officers to deal with these threats. He ends up hiring more officers than the Empire can financially support. Meaning that the Empire goes into a full-blown recession, and because he's expediting a lot of people into the officer class and into the ranks of the military, the quality of his military officers goes into a sharp decline as well. So the people are rebelling, there's massive religious intolerance, the quality of his army is dropping off drastically, and uh, everyone is poor now.
0: <laughs> I'm in danger. Not, not looking good. Um,
1: yeah, it's amazingly, bad. this does not destroy his empire. Akbar did his job just well enough to keep this together.
0: Yeah, like, he, for, he corrected for. the ship and ironed out quite a few things to to pave yep. the way. But, the ship's ooh. got a few holes, but it's still float yeah.
1: for, By seventeen, By 1707, when he dies, the Marathas are still... uh. In rebellion, the rule of the Mughals is disputed in various places throughout the empire. Control has been lost, and his successors cannot pull the government out from this tailspin. In 1707, Bahadur Shah I takes over from his father. He rules for five years. Uh, He takes after his father in a lot of ways, being overly focused on the military as a solution. Uh, and as a result he is unable to uh, solve the socio-economic problems of the people and he is unable to militarily reconquer the empire. His reign is also short enough that when he dies there is a major dispute over who the hell is supposed to succeed him. Because keep in mind most of the Mughal rulers have a pretty decent uh, longevity. Uh, Aurangzeb ruled for almost 50 years. Uh, Shah Jahan ruled for 30. Uh, Jahangir ruled for 20. You know, like these, these people have been ruling for long periods of time. Five years is not considered real, you know, it's a blink uh, for these rulers. They don't have short reigns. So, there's a major civil war, which is won by a man named Farukh Siyar, who rules for uh, six years, 1713 to 1719. He manages to take the throne, thanks to the support of two influential governors, who he makes his uh, chief vizier and his chief war general, respectively. It is at this point that the Mughal Empire and the emperors become dependent on the uh, vassal states that they control, rather than the vassal states they control being dependent on them. As just six years into his rule, his chief vizier and his chief wars general assassinate him. Oh. You hate when that happens. Yeah. They conspired with the ruler of Jodhpur, which is part of Miwar, to kill him, and put Muhammad Shah in his place muhammad shah actually has a decent rule he goes from 1719 to 1748 however the writing is on the wall and there's too little to be done uh the mughal empire is dependent on its tributes and not not the other way around the mughal empire is is dying. It's breaking apart. Sections are just splitting off and declaring independence and there's nothing anyone can do. Uh, Iran actually invades briefly in 1539, uh, which prevents uh, uh, Muhammad Shah from actually uh, um, consolidating what's left of his empire into a manageable position. Uh, The Iranians under a man named Nadir Shah, they are kicked out but, uh, at with that, like the petty rivalries of various principalities and governors turns into minor civil wars, as literally neighboring counties try to conquer each other within the Mughal Empire.
0: Yeah, that's uh, yep. that's definitely not a good yeah, sign of the uh, <laughs> empire's health. Yeah, they smell blood in the water.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Basically, Texas is invading Oklahoma, Ohio is at war with Indiana, the Virginias are fighting about reunification,
0: and the Great Khanate of Illinois has already destroyed Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, it's it, it's basically over. Uh, with, uh, with the death of Muhammad Shah in 1714, the Marathas take advantage of the... Tr- the uh, transition period between one ruler and another to overrun almost the entirety of the Mughal Empire. Hmm. His death is is kind of the end for them. And the Mughal Empire becomes a small principality surrounding the city of Delhi. Uh, By 1785, the Mughals are now a vassals of the Maratha, a people they had almost conquered. Ain't
0: that a oh. bitch? Like a full-scale karma moment.
1: Ain't that a? Oh, bitch.
0: how the turntables have turned!
1: Fortunately, just under twenty years later, uh, the Marathas get taken out, and the Mughals become subservient to the British. Oh, wow! Well. <laughs> oh, Not the British. God yep. 1803, the British take over uh, Delhi and. Uh, And begin ruling over the Mughals with much the same arrangement that the Mughals had with the Maratha.
0: You know, why is it that anytime something happens in history, it's the fucking British, man?
1: Oh, yeah. That actually brings us to Bahadur Shah II, who rules from 1837 to 1857. Uh, He is the last Mughal ruler. And the British exile him to Yangon. Myanmar, which is now rangoon burma they do this because in the last year of his reign as the effective ruler of delhi he throws his support behind what is known as the uh indian mutiny of 1857 and 1858 Uh, we touched on this mutiny briefly in our 2023 episode opium diplomacy effectively what it is is the British stationed Indian soldiers in India to serve as a British peacekeeping force and enforce British rule, except the people of India did not like British rule, and once they had been armed and uh, taught how to fight the British way, proceeded to turn on the British.
0: <laughs>
1: Use their ultras against them.
0: Yeah, perfect.
1: The the British Indian army rebels against the British Empire. Uh, it lasts about a year and is unfortunately put down.
0: We gotta put her down, boys. Gotta take yeah. her out.
1: Uh, uh, and it is responsible for ending uh, the uh, Mughal line of the Chagatai Turks. Dang,
0: that is uh... that's a wow. hell of a story, man. Yeah, and one of our longer episodes recently. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, it uh, took four pages of notes just to go through uh, all the important rulers of this empire
0: hope you guys enjoyed if you liked it leave a comment down below if there's a topic you'd like to hear us talk about let us know if you want to hear about the indian mutiny help me and pestering column to write about it no we've been avoiding it
1: but if we pressure him it's not about pressuring you all wrote the schedule you all wrote the schedule for 2024 it's not on there that ain't on me peer
0: pressure peer pressure But thank you guys for listening, and we will see you in the next podcast episode.